0: Take your Bible and join me this morning. And if you look in the bulletin, it says Hebrews, but I promise I'm not noting the whole book. It's chapter eleven is is where we're going. Chapter eleven. That's a beautiful song. It's one that. Uh, you know people that that we know uh, would have in their hearts to be uh, like the one the dad that led them and I was thankful for uh, my dad you know it's 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 been 42 years since I've had a dad walking on this earth with me and you you learn things as time goes on uh, but I, I remember uh, course he was just in a small town He was a small town preacher uh, but he was had an evangelist with him one time and this evangelist uh, I was talking to him and he said you know I went out witnessing with your dad today and he said you know what he said to to this man that we were witnessing to and I said no and he said I was witnessing to him and said your dad just kind of looked up at him and he said listen bud God wants to save your sorry soul and it's time that you pray and ask Jesus into your heart he said, "I like to fell out of my chair." And said, "That guy prayed and asked Jesus to come into his heart." And I said, "Well, you know, whatever works." But that—that was kind of the guy he was. And then the more I thought about that over the years, I've, I'm pretty well convinced that he saved my sorry soul too. You know, he didn't—he didn't have to do it for any of us. But that's a beautiful song. And thank you, Andy, for sharing that. You know, this is this is Father's Day, and I, I always tell you uh, on Mother's Day that I don't. I don't preach about mothers because I'm uh, I'm not a mother, never been a mother, don't want to be a mother. I'm I'm not sure that I, I really understand women. I got one that I don't I I I understand. But when it comes to guys, I understand. And the reason I understand is because I are one. Now, before I get into this, I want to help you ladies with some things. I found a, a guy by the name of Jerry Shirley. He pastors in Georgia. And he, he wrote a little thing called a man's thesaurus. So that you can understand what your husband or, or whoever, understand what they're saying to you. You know, we, we have a verbiage that we use. We say certain things that you think means one thing, but it don't mean anything kind of like what you're thinking. And I, and I want to help you to understand a little bit about uh, what a man says, but he never does say. Here, here's one. If you've ever been watching him work on something, and, and it, it just goes on and on and on, and you ask him what's going on, and he says to you, it takes too long to explain well, that means I have no idea how that thing works. Okay? Now you understand what I'm going to do. Here's the second thing. If you ever hear him say to you, just, just take a break, dear. You're working way too hard. That means I can't hear the television above that blasted thing that you've got going there. So turn it off. See, that, that's really what that means. And then you, you might hear this phrase, gee, that's, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Well, basically that means, are you still talking? <laughs> now, you see the code in there? You see it? All right. Here's another one. And I, I'm sure all of you heard this. Hey, it's a guy thing. It's a man thing. You heard that? Here's what that means. There is no rational thought pattern connected with this. You have no chance at all of making it logical. None. It's a guy thing. Then this, this comes along quite often. May I help you with dinner? Well, basically what that means, isn't dinner ready yet? I'm about to starve to death. What have you been doing all day that I don't have dinner on the table? And then this one, Uh uh-huh, really? Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. That means absolutely nothing. It's just a conditioned response a man has. (laughs) Really? Yeah. That's all all that means. And then this is one all of us have, have dealt with. When your husband or the man says, you know how bad my memory is. I didn't remember your birthday or I didn't remember your anniversary. You know how bad my memory is. Well, basically that means I know every episode of Andy Griffith verbatim. <laughs> I know every word to the song for Mr. Ed. I can tell you the first girl I ever kissed in my life and I was four years old when I did that and I still remember her and I still remember her name but I'm just too busy to remember your blamed birthday and anniversary every year that comes along here. See, that's what that means. Here's another one that gets me all the time. You holler back and you say, I can't find it. Basically, that means it didn't fall into my hand when I walked to where you said it was. (laughs) Now Now, listen, guys. Isn't it the truth? When they say, would you go get this off the shelf? And you walk in there and you look at that shelf. It's not there. And I tell her, it's not there. And I come walking back in, it's not there. And she walks back and I, she's got me by the hand. And she walks up there and she picks it up off the shelf and she says, there it is. <laughs> how do they do that? <laughs> I, I swear David Copperfield lives in our house somewhere. He, he makes that stuff appear. I don't know how they do that. But it's never where she says it is. And then this one is getting more prevalent in my house. When she says, did you hear me? And I say, I heard you. Now, what that means is, I don't know what you said, but I hope you're either going to smile or you're going to shake your head yes or no so that I can fake it and agree with you. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Did you hear me? Yes, I heard you. I don't understand what you're saying. I hear you. I hear you fine. Okay? And then, this, of course, this one is women, women love this little deal. When a man says, I'm not lost, I know exactly where we are. Now, do you know what that means? That means we'll never be seen alive again. But I'll be John Brown if I'm turning around and going where you told me to go. I'm staying right here, and we're going. That's just kind of the way things are. And then here's one. Men, you know, you have to hold stuff up to your wife, and you say, what color is this? Now, ladies, let me tell you something. Men see blue, black, red, and brown peach is a fruit. It's not a color. (laughs) Watermelon is not a color. And magenta and fuchsia is not a word. (laughs) What is that? It's that magenta one. What magenta? Who's magenta? I don't know her. Tell me if it's blue, black, red, or brown. That's all I care about. And then make sure that you get the right thing on. And then you say, a man says, that's not what I meant. Now, what that means is, if you think of something else that makes you happier, that's what I meant. (laughs) Not what you thought I said that you didn't like. And you go on. Now, ladies, how many of you have experienced some of that? Yeah. Yeah. You just don't know how you frustrate us men. when you when you try to question our integrity in saying what we exactly mean the whole thing is is that we're just trying to get one more meal every day (laughs) so you smile yeah yeah. Yeah, you look so nice today Mm -hmm. yeah Uh just feed me feed me that's all it means feed me god made us different didn't he And He made us different for a very good reason. And it goes back into the book of Genesis where God said, A man shall leave his father and mother and cling unto his wife. (coughs) And the two become one. And God made us so that we could be fruitful and multiply. There's, There's nothing wrong with that. That's the way God made us. And that's, that's what you and I are to be and what we are to do. I've, to, I've told you this before, and, and every man knows it's true. The wife that you're sitting when, with now, if you've been married for five years or if you've been married for 55 years or more, it all began with a look of lust. That's where it begins. That's where it begins in the mind of a man. I can't say anything about women I don't know. I can't read your mind. I don't want to. But with a man, it begins with lust, and then that lust begins to evolve into a love, and then that love begins to strengthen, and we grow from there. But that's what happens to us. But he made us that way so that you and I would be to God those that bring forth. And that we are to lead and teach them because this world continues to multiply. And we need godly men and godly women so that they are able to bring godly children and teach them the ways of God. So what does it mean to us? What does it mean to us to find a faithful man? What does it mean to be a faithful man? Now, I've got three points to this message here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on the screen because I want you to understand what I'm saying and understand. Now, when I, when I put it up on the screen, I want you to just be real still for a moment because you're going to hear, hear some women saying something to their husbands, okay? If your husband's not here, then you're going to hear her mumbling to herself. So give it a little chance. Because if you want to be a faithful man, what, what is a faithful man? What kind of man does God need to be a faithful man? The first uh, thing is this. God is looking for deaf men. Now, what I just saw was women going, he's talking about you. <laughs> deaf men. How many of you have a deaf man in your house? Come on, ladies. Ladies. Yeah, don't be afraid of them. They're scared of you. A deaf man. God is looking for a deaf man. What does that mean? Well, a deaf man is depending entirely on absolute faith. What kind of man is God looking for? To be a good dad? What kind of man is God looking for to be a good husband? He's not looking for some John Wayne that comes in and just runs over everybody and stands tall and stands proud and stands tough and tries to make everything fit because, as as one man told me one time, when it gets too hot for the rest of them, it's just right for me. Now, that sounds good, and that sounds a lot like John Wayne, but I'm going to tell you something. Every one of us at some time in our life needs somebody. And we need someone that is going to stand by us, but we need to be those kind of men who are able to stand and depend entirely on absolute faith in God. And I want you to read the first three verses of this chapter with me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This verse is a very familiar verse to you. But also understand as I begin this, this chapter is also known as the Hall of Fame of Faith because it begins to outline the faith of different individuals in the Old Testament. But look at the first, first three verses. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. What does that mean? Now here's the first thing I want these, you as a deaf man to hear. A truly faithful man that depends entirely on absolute faith in God. And that is because it is God enabling us to see what we can't see. When you were a little boy growing up and, and you grew to your teen years and then you, you entered into the high school phase and during that, that particular time, how many of you were able to see just exactly who God had picked out for you? Someone that, that you could love, someone that would be a mate to you, someone that was going to, to be a part of you and share your life with you. How many of you could see that? Now we saw a lot, There's different ones, they had this girlfriend here, and this girlfriend there, and then this one over here, and this one over here, and this one here, and a lot of times that's the way things would go, and we'd say, I'm going to marry this one, or I'm going to marry that one, and I'm going to marry this one, and I'm going to marry that one. I remember when I was just in, in grade school, I had a crush on a girl, and she was a senior in high school. And my daddy told her one time that I had a crush on her and that I was going to marry her because I told him that. And she wouldn't marry me. She lives in Wheeler right now. But I thought she was the prettiest thing that ever walked. Never did I realize who my mate was going to be. But, young, but men, and if you're a young man or whatever, I want you to understand something. As you grow older, the thing that we must do is exercise absolute faith in God that He has someone that He wants me to spend my life with. We can't see it, but God sees it. I grew, I graduated, I went off, I came back to a place that I I never dreamed that I would be. And do you know why I came back there? Because my wife was there. I didn't see it. I didn't see it for a couple of years. I didn't know it. But all of a sudden, why did I go through the process that I went through to get back here? And the reason is, is because God had my mate there for me, but I had to come back and I had to go through the process to get there. And the same thing applies to us. I didn't see it. I saw a lot of other things, but I didn't see my mate until all of a sudden, by faith in God, God brought me to that mate. How many of you saw all the wants and the needs of a child that was first born into your home? You know, guys, they, they, they find out that, that they're going to have a, a child, and, and they, all we do is we just brag a lot. Buy cigars. I never understood, why do you buy somebody a cigar? Why do you give them a cigar? What's that going to do? I never did understand that, but then all of a sudden, I didn't want to buy anybody a cigar, so I bought them one of them bubblegum cigars, a pink one. There's my daughter. a oh, man, I've got a daughter. But, oh, my soul, if I'd only known what that daughter was going to do to me for the next 17, 18, 20 years. How do you do that? You don't do that. It all comes by faith. Absolute faith in God. I don't know what she needed. I don't understand it. I don't understand her. I didn't understand her as she graduated in grade school, junior high, high school. I still don't understand her. I don't know. But we can't see it. But thanks be to God, He shows us these things. How many of you saw how you were going to pay for a house? How many of you saw hospital bills, doctor bills? How many of you saw little children being sick? And people have experienced so many heartaches over children, and some of you have, and, and, and my heart goes out to you. Because I love children, I love my grandchildren. My grandchildren, we were with this past week, and, and uh, right at the end of it, I said... Uh, did y'all have fun? And they just kind of looked at me, and they said, do you have any more money? And I said, no. And he said, then we had fun. (laughs) (laughs) I had one guy ask me, he said, what do your grandchildren call you? And I said, ATM. (laughs) That's my name. They walk in, you just start going like this. but I love them with all of my heart. I don't want anything happening. And You see things as you you get older and all of a sudden you're saying, oh dear God, let them live. Let them enjoy. Let them have. Let them do. I can't see it. But with absolute faith, we can see those things as God begins to open up to us. When I'm saying all of this to say this to you, we may not can see it, But once it begins to unfold, I want you to understand, it is all by the grace of God that God has brought you who you need and given you the children that you need in your life. It's also faith in God, knowing that Christ stands under us to guarantee our walk with Him. Now, where I get that is that word substance in verse 1. Now faith is a substance, that's two words in the Greek, and it means to stand under. Living by faith means that what we don't see, that God has worked for our good and for His glory. And He is willing to stand under us and support us and guide us and teach us if we are willing to accept Him as the master of our life and follow Him in everything that He is doing because God is at work in our hearts and our life. And He is the proof every day that we need that if we take His hand and walk with Him, that God is going to give direction and leadership to all of us. God is working for us. Substance of the things hoped for. Those things that you desire, where do they come from? You know, a lot of us like to stand and say, by golly, I work for it. And you did, and I understand that. And a lot of you work real hard and have worked hard and continue to work hard to get those things that you have. I I believe that, and I say, God bless you to that. But you could never have done any of it without the grace of God. God is the one that supplied you the strength. God is the one that placed the knowledge in your head. He has placed you where you need to be. There are a lot of you in the things that you do. I can't do it. I can't. I can't carpenter. I can't see it. I can't weld and build. I can't see it. I don't have that gift. There's a lot of things that, that people do. I can't do it. I can't see it. I don't know how to do it. And usually what I hear is, well, you got it made. You just work one day a week. And I say, you want this job? Nobody will take me up on it. And I do. I do. Because I don't think it's a job. It's something God's called me to do. You haven't lost me, have you? What you do, God called you to do that. I'm, I'm I'm called to preach. That's what I'm called to do. But God has called you to do what you do. How do we do that? By standing under God, with God standing under us. The power of God and the faith that we have in Him. We trust Him. I want to be able to say, yes, I'm a man, but the only reason I'm a man is because of my wife and my children who have made me who I am. God made me. God made me for who I am and what I do. My mother always said she knew I was going to be a preacher because I never shut up when I was a kid. God made me to be who I am. God made you to be who you are. Don't be who I am and I'm not going to be who you are. God wants you to be who He has made you. And He wants to stand under you. He wants you to be the man. He wants you to accept the responsibilities that God has placed to in you. He wants you to be a dad to all of those that are around you. Living by faith means that we know God created everything. Verse 3. He made the world from His Word. Basically, what it means is that God spoke and this world came into existence. He framed it with His words. He had nothing. It's just like the three scientists that all met together and figured out that they could make the world just like God did. And they said, God, we can make this world better than you did. And he said, okay, have at it. And so they went and got some dirt and he said, "Uh -uh, put that back, get your own dirt. We can't do because we're not God. We can do what God leads us to do, blesses us to do, strengthens us to do, but we are not God. And then God enables us to live a life pleasing to God. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he shouldn't see death. He was not found. God translated him. He took him up. And his testimony was that he pleased God. Are you pleasing God in your surrendered life to Him? Are you pleasing God in your walk with Him? Are you pleasing God in reading His Word every day? Are you pleasing God in spending time in prayer every day? Are you pleasing God with not being afraid to share the testimony that you have with Christ? Are you pleasing God by being a part of the church where you can serve God and worship with God's people? Are you pleasing God by by leading your family and teaching them how that they should be everything they need to be with God? Are you pleasing God, that he rewards your faith. Are you a deaf man, depending entirely on absolute faith? There's another kind of man God's looking for. Not just a deaf man, but he's also looking for dead men. Dead men. You say, well, I can see that. And some of them have punched their husband and said, wake up, he's talking about you again. But what do we mean when we say that? It very simply means doing everything as designed. Everything that you do, God has designed it for you. Are you following His design to be everything that God wants you to be? Now, you see, one of the things that we we have to talk about with faith is fear. And fear will govern our faith if we see circumstances and not the strength of God. Fear will overtake us. Fear will rob us and take away from us the things of God. Look at verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to pick up your family and your wife says, where are we going? He says, I don't know. We'll know it when we get there. Would you be willing to tell your children, where are we going, dad? I don't know. I'll tell you when we get there, we don't do that, do we? And if we do that, all of a sudden we lose sight of what's going on. But if God says, I want you to get up and I want you to go and go here, and where Abraham went was down here in Iraq, and he went all the way up over the north, all the way over to Israel. Never heard of it. Never been there. Needed anybody else. But God said, you do what I ask you to do, and so he obeyed him. He could have said, I ain't doing that. I can't do that. I won't do that. And we would have understood, because that's what we say. God says, I want you to do this with your family. I can't do that. I'm too busy doing this. I can't do this. I'm too busy doing the other. Folks, I look back now, and I let this position take me away from my children when I didn't have to. I thought I had to. And so God says, you need to to see about them. You need to meet your wife's needs. You need to meet your children's needs. And I said, but I'm busy over here with everybody else. Was it wrong? not in what I was doing, but it was wrong for me to take this over them. You know what made me realize it? My children were about, well, Julie was 10 or 11 years old and Billy was nine, somewhere in there. We went down to Sea World when it first opened down and there we was in the swimming pool. And it was just me and the two kids and we were playing they were jumping into my arms and i was playing and having a good time and and doing all of this and i I got julie one time and i picked her up and i put her up on the ledge there and she looked over at her mother and she said i didn't know daddy could be so much fun and that liked to kill me Man, we've got to make sure that our children know God gave them to us to teach them to laugh and to enjoy and to grow and to be who you are. Obey God. Follow God. Trust in God. Walk with God. But they will not do it unless we do it. That's what God wants us. He wants us to lead our families. That's what Abraham did. He led his family. He wants us to love our wives with all of our hearts, with all of our being. Love her. That's what the scripture teaches us. It says to the woman, woman, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. And a lot of us take that to mean, okay, woman, bow down and kiss my feet. No. You know what he told men? He tells the woman to submit to the responsibility that's hers. But he's told men, the responsibility of this family belongs to you. And I'm going to tell you something, men. One of these days when we stand before Almighty God, and I'm not going to be there with you, neither is anybody else, he's going to ask you, number one, what did you do with my son? And number two, how did you lead your family? What did you do with them? How did you teach them? What did you show them? Do they know about reading the scripture? Do they know about praying? Do they know about church? Do they know about integrity? Do they see you when somebody hands you too much change and you hand the change back and say, no, that's not right, that's too much. Do they see you when you stand in integrity and and something is wrong and you stand up and you say, we're not going to bend or break on that deal. We're going to stand right here and we're going to be people of integrity. We're going to stand for the truth. We're going to stand for what's right. And that's what dead men do. That's the way God designed us. Men, we have a responsibility to lead our families and teach our families and show our families and not rest until every one of them can look you in the eye and say, I know Jesus as my Savior. That's our responsibility. That's what God's called me to do, and that's what God has called you to do. Love your wife. Love her with everything that that you have inside of you. The greatest gift, and you all know this little statement, the greatest gift that you can give to your children is to love their mother with everything that you've got. Love her with all of your heart. Make mistakes? Yeah, she makes a lot of them, but I straighten it out. Yeah. Make mistakes? Yeah we ever go yeah but then you turn around and say i love you we don't stay there we've got to do as god designed us love their mother love your wife love her children love your children teach your children Walk with God. Go where God calls you. And where? Look at verse 10. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now that brings me to my last one. You got deaf men, you got dead men doing everything as designed. And the last one I want to point you to is God is looking for dash men. Dash men. So what is that? Well, it's not, I don't want you to run 100 yards. There's some of you I'd like to see try to do that, but I don't want you to do that. Be funny, watch me try to do that. What is dash man? It's a man who is determined to have a saintly home. A man who is determined to have a saintly home. Look at verse 38. You remember the evangelist I was talking about that said that about my dad at the beginning? After my dad died, he called me. He was on the road, and he called me and was expressing his grief. And the one thing he said, he said, Norman, your dad was a Hebrews 1138 man. Look at the parentheses right at the beginning. Of whom the world was not worthy. Of whom the world was not worthy. I wonder if I can say that about me. How about you? Of whom the world was not worthy. What is a dash man? Now what I'm talking about is that, and I'll, I'll continue to use my dad. He's got on his tombstone. January 10th, 1926. April 2nd, 1979. And right in between there is a dash. He was born this day, but he lived his life. That's what that dash means. That's his life. And then he died. Now, I can get my tombstone and I can put my name and my date of birth on there. But I'm in the dash right now. How are you living your dash for your family? Are you determined to have a saintly home? One that that follows God and trusts God and is not ashamed to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. What What kind of life are we seeking to live? How are we going to live so that our family knows and remembers us? Because the time comes... When for every one of us, we're going to either be buried or raptured, one of the two, and I don't know when. What's your family legacy right now? How would they perceive you? What would they see in you? Would they know of your integrity? Would they know of your stand of what's right? and shunning those things that are wrong, where they know about your laughter, making them laugh, showing them that you can laugh, and enjoy the things of life. Not seeing someone that says, I don't, I don't need to serve God right now. I've, I've done all I can do, and, and I've just about burned out, and, and it's just not right right now. And, I, and No, that's not what we need. We need somebody that's going to say, I may not do anything right now, but I can find something I can do for God. Discipline, love, support. What's the little dash say to you? How's it going to be determined over the years? What are they going to say about your dash? What are they going to say about my dash? Sometimes we think, well, preacher, I'm just not the same kind of guy you are. And for that, I'm thankful. Because I'm not any better than you, gentlemen. (laughs) I walk a path of sin just like you do. I have to find forgiveness just like you do. You're probably a better man than I am. But I know this. I love Jesus. And I love my family with everything i got. And you and I share that, don't we? Sometimes we make changes, we make adjustments. But I want the dash in my life to be that he did everything he could to make our home glorify God. Are you a deaf man, a dead man, a dash man? That's a faithful man. And our faith should be in Jesus Christ today. You can't do it unless you know him as your Savior. Church is not going to save you. Doctrine is not going to save you. Theology is not going to save you. All these things that, that people bring up, folks, it's only when you and I realize that the Scripture teaches us that we are sinners and the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you shall be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness with the mouth confession is made and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and you can do that this morning and begin your walk with God and make that dash the best it can be faith Trust. Give it all to God. How about you today? Let's pray together. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I want to lead you in that prayer that I just mentioned to you there a moment ago. How you can find Jesus as your Savior. If you've never invited Him into your heart to be your Savior. You can run away from me. You can run away from the church. You can run away from all the Christians that you know, but you cannot run away from God. If you've never prayed and asked Jesus into your heart, I want you to bow not only your head but your heart. And in faith, I want you to say with me these words "Pray in prayer. Dear Father, I know that I'm a lost sinner. I believe Jesus Christ died for me. I believe he rose again. By faith, Lord Jesus. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sin. Save me, Lord. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. If you pray that prayer with me, Dad, I'm inviting you to get up and come to me right now. Let's, let's just talk about what you've asked Jesus to do and what that means to you. Man, woman, boy, or girl, would you get up and come and say, I want to know this Jesus that you're talking about because I want to be a faithful man. Would you get up and come? Maybe you need a church home where you can raise your family, where you can serve the Lord by letter, by statement for baptism, ever how God is calling you. we work that out. Come on. Let's, let's do what God bids. Let's come to Him. As God's speaking to your heart, just as you are, come to Him. Let Him change you. Let Him put that desire to be everything you can be. Father, bless now this invitation for your glory. Father, give us the boldness to step out and not stand still. Father, help us to come and say yes to Jesus. For it's in His name we pray. As we stand together and as we sing, I invite you to come. I'll meet you here. Right now you come. Come to Him.